You know, it's in a world of <clears throat> where worship has taken a man-centric, egocentric uh, attitude where it's about me, 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 and what about me? And the worship is never about man. Worship is always about him, the Lord Jesus. And that's why we need to turn ourselves back to the worship of giving ourselves to God. And the idea is that if we do try to worship and we're asking for this and it's all about me and what do I get out of that? And it's nice to ask the Lord to come and to bless and to do that, but it's for his glory. And when we worship, it's to magnify whom he is and say, Lord, we know who you are. Now let's turn to the scriptures this morning. We're going to uh, Mark chapter 13, please. Mark chapter 13. Praise the Lord. I've had to do some repenting recently. And repenting that, Lord, we can't allow things to be about me. Even when I don't like it, it's about me. And Lord, it's all about you. And privately I've been saying, Lord, take me out of the equation Put you into the equation more. Grow in my life, even as we closed last week and says, he must increase, I must decrease. This is where this is coming from, where it's, Lord, I must repent for being me, for being the man that I am, allowing my nature, allowing whom I want to be, uh, take over whom you want me to be. Allowing my comforts to take over your calling. And Father, it's not what I have come through, but what you are doing. I must bow my knee. I must yield my spirit. I must bow my head to your liege lordship and also to your sovereign will. And recently, that's the way I've been praying. I prayed it. We prayed it up in this prayer meeting this morning like that. We didn't intend it to come like that, but that's how the prayer was coming. And I feel the church has got to a place where the church thinks it does not need to repent. Brothers and sisters, it does. The church needs to repent for what it's become. It needs to repent and get back to the reality. Apostolic power isn't in all the things that surround us. Apostolic power is in the Holy Ghost. That's the apostolic power. It's not in, it's not in what man is and who man is or what he can do. It's not in how professional we can get. It's in the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost. And we need to start repenting and saying, Lord, forgive us for our, whether it's preaching the word or whether it's why we worship, trying to be so professional, we push out the Holy Ghost. It's all about him. We can be as professional. We can be as, uh, and it's good to be right. And it's good to try and do those things well. But if we don't have the anointing power of the Holy Spirit, then we do not have anything at all. Without him, we can do nothing. Without the Lord, we are empty. We're like tinkling cymbals. We're like sounding brass. And there's a lot of churches about whooping, hollering, squealing and yelling, barking like dogs, clucking like ducks, wiggling like snakes and whatever else they do. And it's nothing off the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the one who empowers his people. The Holy Ghost is the one who equips us for service. And a life of faithful service shows the power of the Holy Ghost, brothers and sisters. It's not rolling the town and roll out again that shows the power of the Holy Ghost. 
It's not circus acts and performances that shows the Holy Ghost. It's the it's that grounding, it's that continuing of God, the Holy Spirit in the life that shows the glory of Christ in the life. That's the Holy Ghost. Do I believe in the gifts, tongues and interpretations? You know I do, and I practice them. But the power of the Spirit in the church is not about all the antics. And there's too much antics and there's not enough power. Too much antics, not enough power. Looking for the reality. I was praying, I'll get down to the message in a minute. I was praying yesterday, it's on my heart. And I was praying yesterday and I was walking across the fields. And I says, Lord, I'm tired. This is the way I talk to the Lord. Lord, I'm sick of this. I'm tired of this. I'm sick of this religious spirit. And I'm sick and tired of this spirit that's come into the church where anything and everything goes. And those prophets, so-called, who prophesy and say they're from God. And they, they bring... They, they bring some stuff that's just way out there somewhere and it's line up and get your prophecy, roll up, roll up here. Uh, you know, the, the carnival has come to town. Uh, we need the reality of God. When a prophet came to the nation of Israel, the nation shook. The nations around about them knew there was a prophet in Israel. I'm just tired of a prophet and every box of cornflakes you open there's a prophet and the preacher jumps out with all manner of of stuff that's just it's just not real brothers and sisters it's just not real it's time to get real it's time to get the reality of the holy spirit in our lives because if christ isn't glorified then it's not of god either must needs he must increase and i must decrease now i want you to look at mark 13 And as he went out of the temple, that's the Lord Jesus, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, we see what manner, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered, answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall be not left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, Over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And when you shall hear of wars and rumours of wars, be not troubled, for such things must needs be. But the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. Let's pray. Father, make this real to us this morning. Make this real. In Jesus' name we pray. Become real. Real in power. Real in glory. May your word be real. Lord, we're tired. We are tired, Lord, of Lord, the things that we're seeing. We're tired of, Lord, a powerless life. When you have given us all authority in your word and power. 
Lord, we're tired of seeing those, Lord, who claim your name and, Lord, live like devils. We pray, Father, that you would glorify your Son. May your word abide in us. May your word run rich in us. We pray in Jesus' name, may your spirit, Lord, will you properly and promptly give everyone the baptism and the Holy Ghost for the reality of your power, the fire from heaven to fall upon every one of us. Father, we worship and adore you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice what it says in verse 1. And the Lord Jesus goes out of the temple. And one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and buildings they are. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Organized religion was about to end. Organized religion was about to end. Christ is coming back and those who are found in organized religion will find themselves lost. Organized religion is about to end. He says, see this temple and these stones, not one will be left upon another. Organized religion is coming down. Organized religion is man-made religion. Man-made. They had taken so many things and they had brought it into what the, the true Hebraic or Israelitish worship was. And they had mongerized it with man's traditions and the Babylonian Talmud. And then seen the big building here of Herod's temple. And look at this, 40 years in building. Wow, and I'm sure it was a wonder to see. Christ looks at it and he says, God doesn't dwell in this. This is not God's house. God doesn't dwell in this great temple. God doesn't dwell in a building made with man's hands. This is going to be torn down. Christ wasn't in it. And whatever organized religion it is, without making mention of a string of names, because there are good people, but they may be sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. All organized religion will come to an end. And all organized religion, when Christ returns, will be judged. All of it. Brother, sister, make your calling and your election sure. And go on to follow Christ. Forget organized religion. Go on to follow Christ. Notice what it says here. He says that the temple, not one stone, will be left upon another and they shall be thrown down. The Holy Spirit seems to take us in a flash. It's wonder about the word of God. One minute you can be one place, next minute you can be in another. That's the way it's going to be when Christ returns. The world will be in one condition and at his return in flaming fire, there's going to be another. Holy Ghost was taking people by the locks of hair. He lifted Philip and left him in Azotus after dealing with the Ethiopian eunuch. These wonders of God are able to lift and transport. 
And even you and I reading the scriptures, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit has us admiring the words of Christ and wondering about this. And suddenly there's this great temple and suddenly he's on the hillside. There's been a journey that's had over the Brick Kidron and up into the, the valley, uh, or through the valley and up into the, the Mount of Olives. Now he's sitting there looking over the temple, one place to the next. Isn't it wonder, I wonder how Christ ministers into your life that one minute you're so, uh, you're so stressed or you're so low or you can be so down, you can be so troublesome. Yet suddenly he breaks in and he breaks through and he, you find yourself, spiritually speaking, in a, in a entirely different place. Without any effort made of his, just it's as simple as he carries you right through. And light comes into the darkness and breakthrough comes from the wall that's been in front of you. And suddenly your impossibility has become possible. And, and suddenly all those things which have beset you have now left you. And suddenly you're, you've went from one place to another and you're saying, Lord, I've never seen it. You were there all the time. And notice where he is now. Jesus answering said unto him, see the buildings, verse 3, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives, sitting looking. For against the temple, and Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when shall these things be and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? Now these things happened in AD 70. I don't want to get too theological on this. I feel the Spirit is in the house and moving and sense the Lord's moving here. So I don't want to get too theological this morning on this. But if you were to go into, when you go home, read Matthew 24, Luke chapter 21. And this is the accounts also of the other evangelists here in the Gospels. And in Matthew 24's account, they actually ask him, what shall these things be? And when shall be this, uh, what shall be the sign of the end of the world? What will it be like at the end of this world when you're coming again? When all organized religion will be dealt with, what do we look for and what will it be like? Notice what it says here in verse 5. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. Do you notice that, brother? Sister. Here's going to be men who are just about to enter in to see the, through the cross of Christ. And then they're about to enter into the place of the baptism of the Spirit. When the Holy Ghost would come in power and rest upon them in cloven, like cloven tongues of fire. And they would all begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the Lord still says to them, be careful and watch. Because men will deceive you. Believers being deceived. The church of Jesus Christ, the church of God in Christ, has been having deceivers the whole way from day one. And deceivers who, who, who water down the word. When Jesus was in the wedding feast at Cana of Galilee, he turned water into wine. People are now taking the, uh, the wine of the word and turn, uh, 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 and turn it into water. They're taking the word and people don't want the word anymore. It's amazing how many people, when you preach the word and, or teach the word, they say, well, you know, but that's good, but what good is it for me? Brothers and sisters, this is the word of eternal life. This is the word that brings you to glory. 
This is the word who changes you from a, 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 a one sort of a man to another, woman to another. This is the word that, that, that's meant to run in you every day to lead you in the ways of the Lord and to fashion you to make you more like Christ. That's why this word must be proclaimed. And it's good and it's proper to the unsaved to preach the simple gospel, the simple gospel. And that's what we should do. But whenever you're saved, you need to be moving forward in the word. You need to be growing. Some of the wee babies, and I just want to say uh, that I want to congratulate Andrew and Susan on the birth of their new son. Congratulations, Andrew. And tell Susan we're thinking about her, praying for her and asking for her. And he's called Jonah. We babies need fed. We babies, they, they, they need, they can, they're helpless and, and, and they're, they need cleaned and they need changed. They need fed. And you know, Christians are like that. And many of them, you know, the, the baby, whenever you clean it and feed it and you know, it, it sleeps and it does well, but it's for growth. It takes of the milk. It's for growth. And Paul says, we are to drink of the milk. Yes. But then becomes that you start eating solid food. It's for your growth to enhance it, to strengthen you. And if you were to have the baby, and I was go, I seen Andrew and Susan during the week, and if I was to go back and say, and see you and not see you for a year, Andrew, and your wee one hadn't grown any, and it, 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 it wasn't moving on further in its growth size, it, it wasn't moving further on in what it was eating, there would be something wrong. And if I went to see you again in three or four years' time, or five years' time, or six years' time, and the baby was still the same size, and it was still in nappies, and you were still feeding it milk and changing it, and it hadn't grown any, and it was exactly the same, well, then there's something drastically wrong. Start feeding it meat. It starts to grow. It starts to live stronger. Starts to get its mind and what it knows and what it likes. It starts to learn. So is the spiritual believer, the Christian. Sometimes we're still on milk. And brothers and sisters, you know why many Christians are deceived in the church today? I have been to many a meeting. I have been, and you know, I believe in the full power of, I'm a Pentecostal through and through, through and through. You know that. But there's many meetings where it's all hoop and holler and no holiness and no Holy Ghost. There's no stability and there's no grounding in the word. Here the Lord says, men, even saved, can be deceived. The end is nigh. The Lord is coming. And the church is sleeping. The church has become egocentric. The church has become man-centered. And where is Christ? And all of it. Now this isn't condemnation to you as a people. This is what I see universally. This is what I see all over. 
And you know, if you bring the word of God and you say, this is what the word says, ah, well, you're too pharisaical. The church needs to repent. Oh, you're too legalistic. Brothers and sisters, I believe the message of the hour for the day and people can shout me down and people can come online and people can give off to me, which the odd one does, most don't. And they can give off to me all the want. But I have come to the conclusion with the dealing of God in me recently, we need to repent. We need to repent. I'm talking about the church. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made. Notice, man made. Organized religion will come down just like the temple at Jerusalem. And Christ will deal harshly with it. Harshly. Those whom Christ will rule over for his millennial reign, there will be those who had wished they had known him and served him in spirit and in truth. That's solemn, isn't it? This is what I'm saying when I'm reading this. Notice this, what the Lord says here. Jesus answering began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Notice, people tend to think they have to come and say, I'm Jesus back again. There are a few head the balls have said that. And there's some more guy, I think he's in Brazil or Mexico or somewhere there at the minute, and he's got a whole following of people, and he's running around saying, I am now Jesus Christ. You know, that's just so evident. Every, most people with a, a, an ounce of sense will say, yeah, okay, you know, is a lunatic. But the idea here isn't that. It means, many shall say, I am not anointed for us believers. We're all anointed with a measure of the Spirit. It means I am the Christ, or I am the anointed one from God. In other words, it's all vested in me. He says, I'll deceive you. Don't be deceived. Brothers and sisters, let's walk this walk with Christ with our eyes wide open. And our hearts ready to receive the engrafted word, which is able to save the soul. Notice this too. He says in verse 7. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, and the end shall not be yet. When we're entitling this, remember, it's must needs, it's a binding clause. And remember, must, it expresses something of necessity, certainty, something binding. It's a binding thing. So we looked last week at how men, and there are things we must that are binding and necessity to us, but how those three men with three lame excuses couldn't follow the Lord. One had bought a plot of land and one had, uh, one had bought a yoke, five yoke of oxen and the other one had just got married. And remember, one had lost all, they just lost all perspective on it. How, how I must go test it. I must go see it. 
You know, I can't go with you because of this. And it wasn't a real must. It wasn't a real binding thing. It was preferenced in his heart. And sometimes we say, Lord, I, I can't go because, uh, uh, I can't turn up because, I can't come to pray because, I can't come and worship. And, you know, one of the, one of the old, uh, reformers, uh, one time was, uh, Puritans it was, was, uh, was told, um, by one of his students, he says, you know, I, 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 I don't have time to pray a lot because there's always someone at my door. And he says, well, you know what, son? There's nobody really raps my door at four or five in the morning. It's the preference. It's the making room for Jesus. It's the finding the place and living the life like that for him. And so these men lost all preference. Their must was a man's must, an egocentric, self-centered, man-centered must, which we all have at times. But here also, uh, we look at the, the word must means expressing necessity. He must increase, I must decrease. And now here the Lord says something else is a real must. These things must come to pass. Notice, let's read it again. When ye shall hear of wars and rumors, rumors of wars, be not troubled for such things must needs be. But the end shall not be, not be yet, for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in divers places, and there shall be famines and troubles, and these are the beginning of sorrows. And the Lord says, these things must needs be. It's a binding thing. And you often wonder, well, why, Lord? You look at our world today in 2015. Lord, why? People always ask, why the tsunamis and why the earthquakes and why the famines and why these diseases and why the, the cancers and why all of this stuff and why our loved ones and, and it's hurtful. It's hard. Why, Lord? The Lord says these things are binding. They must be. Why the beheadings we're hearing of these uh, Islamists that, that are doing the... Uh, the ISIS and all this sort of stuff. Why the cruelty? Why the Nazism? Why the, the, the British? Um, how some of the British? And let's be honest, I'm, I'm a patriot to my country. But sometimes some of the things Britain's done has been terrible. You just have to be honest. Why? Why must these things be? Brothers and sisters, here's what it shows me. That if we don't have something to compare something with, we don't know and understand the value of it. Now let me say it again. If we don't have something to compare something with, we do not understand the value of it. And what do I mean? Well, for example, if you're always on the mountain and never in the valley, you're never going to appreciate how beautiful it is in that mountain and the value of it. He's so used to it. I mean, I, I, if I go up the North Antrim coast and around there, right in, or down round by County Down, see the Moor Mountains, and it's on a good day, and it's, sure, there's nowhere like it. You wouldn't, if you have a sunny day, you wouldn't go anywhere. Northern Ireland's the most beautiful, our country's the most beautiful country in the world when the sun's out. So it's the most beautiful country in the world about three days a year. I wouldn't go anywhere else. But you know, when you live in those areas, we go and some matter to the beach, the sand, the sea, whatever, the mountains, you walk up the Newcastle town and you see the big mountain at the end of it. And, you're, and sometimes you go, wow, isn't that fantastic? See, after a time or two, you walk up and down it, the mountain disappears. It's like it's not there. 
You know why? Because you've, you've got used to it. And if you live there, you probably wouldn't even notice there's a mountain there. Do you see all the things that we were in our life before Christ came into our life? Funny, Allison mentioned this wee scripture to me this morning out of the blue. Right? Yeah, just thinking about that. I was in my study and I came out. And he or she, they, who are forgiven much, will love much. And there are people, we're all forgiven of much, but there are people's lives, including my own, who has been rescued from much. I love them much. But there are others who need to realize exactly what they're rescued from because whether they have a life like mine or a life with somebody like Philip who's grown up in church and who's got saved at a young age, he's been saved from much. So it doesn't matter if it's a, 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 a dramatic testimony or one of growing up and God keeping you from many things. You were still saved from the uh, eternal damnation. And it's when we, if we really truly get the grips with that, if we can honestly truly sit down and give the Lord a day and say, Lord, I just want you to just put it right into me exactly what I'm saved from because I want religion burned out of my system. Because religion just, it's what I do. It's here I am. Clock my card. But it's realizing, Lord, that's what I'm safe from. No matter what your life's been like. When you realize you've been forgiven much and what you're safe from, you will love him much. Let me put it bluntly. Brother, sister, whether it's myself who had a, has a whole life behind me, of, I don't even, uh, as I said, I abhor it. I don't even like talking about it. Or whether it's Philip, sorry for using your fault, but growing up all his days under the gospel, saved from a young age. So whether it's Philip or me, putting it bluntly, brothers and sisters, the reason we don't love him enough is because we forget what he's brought us from. We haven't got a good comparison of hell. And if the church got a good comparison of hell, I'll tell you, they would repent. Today, I'm not against, I used to be all the, the church years, a lot of years ago was, Preaching all the sort of message, telling the church we need to repent, we need to get back to God, moving on, and in the gospel, the Jeffreys brothers, and even way before that, but I'm just talking about in recent century even. But now the church is being taught and deceived. Deceived with the preaching of, you know what? It's all love. That's all it is. And you know, live how you like. It doesn't matter. And you know, I'll tell you what, if you just give in here, well, sure, it's just like Roman, isn't it? We'll pray for you. And if you keep giving to the church, 
the Lord will bless you in the next life if you don't get it in this one. No. It doesn't matter where your right foot's a Protestant foot and your left foot's a Catholic foot or you have a third foot and it's a Muslim one. It doesn't matter. All religion will be burnt up when Christ returns. Here's what it matters. Do you know him? Do you realize what he saved you from? Get a comparison then with who you are before him. And you'll repent. You know what's wrong with my heart? Why my heart is cold? Yes, son, I know why your heart is cold. Because it's all about you. Hello, brothers and sisters. Would you say amen to that? Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Walking, kicking the grass yesterday over the field. They'd cut it, but it's about that length again. I'm kicking the grass and it was wet. And I says, Lord. I remember a year ago here and I thought I wasn't getting out of a hole in my mind. And you're so good to me. And here you are, you're here. And I just felt the Lord say to me, son, I haven't went anywhere. You did. Lord, I'm sorry. I repent of this. For when it's all about me, it's man-centered and not Christ-centered. The Lord says, these things must come to pass. I'm going to round this up. Feed the Lord's ministering to our hearts this morning. These things must happen because it gives us a comparison. There's evil and there's wickedness in the world. Uh, the wicked one, the devil, this, uh, uh, that evil uh, spirit, remember, he's still God's ape as an old Puritan called him. But in moving around, with this evil spirit in the world. He's moving on men, he's moving on governments, he's moving on leaders, and all of this is happening. And that's why with all of this, the poverty and fallen nature of man craves things of man, so they fight over it. I'm going to have to bring you up to speed sometime on what's going on in the world. Some of the stuff's going on at the minute. ISIS is, a, is, is basically, I think, a smokescreen. So much going on. They're gathering for war all over the place. Big nations. But anyway, whenever we see this spirit that's in the world, this spirit, it, it gets the idea, it, it, it moves on men and women's hearts to say wrong, to act wrong, to be wrong, to deceive. And so it moves throughout leaders and, and false Christs. I am God's anointed. See, when someone says to you, I am the anointed of God, run. Say this to them, Antichrist. 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 But when they say to you, I am anointed of God, I am anointed of God, then listen to them. Two big different things there. Jesus says it must come. Why? There will be a comparison of Christ's coming. There will be a comparison of Christ's holiness. And his kingdom that he will set up on this earth. 
There will be his holiness compared to man's unholiness and unrighteousness. So we will see the world we're living in and should the Lord come soon and you and I are still alive and remain at his coming, here's what we will see. We will see millions of people crying out for help. The whole earth is in a cul-de-sac. No one knows where to go. It's in the grip of all the evil one. And then suddenly Christ comes and shows his glory and shows his power. And you and I will worship him and he will be admired in all his saints. That's what the scripture says. These things must come to pass. See, when you're reading or you're seeing things in the news, don't be upset. There's horrible things happening. I know that, and that's upsetting in itself. But don't be afraid. And why? Because Christ says these things are binding. They must happen for when he comes. When he comes, he's going to sort it all out. And you're going to see the difference in this world in man's hands with his depravity and his wicked nature and Christ's glorious coming and his beauty and his holiness and his righteousness and his majestic power. That's why it must happen. So when you're getting fearful, say, Lord's coming. Christ is coming. Maranatha, behold, the Lord cometh. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, let us get back to the Bible. Let us get back to the Word of God. And let us get away from ourselves. When you get saved, really, you should have died. I should have died. But sometimes we're wriggling on our own crosses at were. We're wriggling on it and we're saying, you know what? I don't want to die. Christ says, you're alive in me. Die to self. These things must, needs, be. Till Christ returns. God bless his word to our hearts this morning.